Hello, American government and civics. Welcome to your Judicial Branch Test Review Podcast. Uh, the test is on Friday. Remember, I'm not there on Thursday due to a training session at the ISC. Um, so let's go over the review. The review can be found uh, on Google Classroom. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, that's where you found that as well. So first up is the Supreme Court basics. Um, so let's try and cover everything that the Supreme Court does in this little section. Alrighty. First off, the Supreme Court is the end-all be-all. When it comes to decision-making, there is nowhere else to go. So you have a court case that starts here in Georgia, and it works its way to the Supreme Court uh, after a couple of years. There is nowhere else to go. Once the Supreme Court has made the decision, that is it. All right. Now, there are things that can happen after your decision has been made as far as the implementation and all that sort of stuff. But as far as you legally you have nowhere else to go. So this is the highest court, the last court. Sometimes you'll see it as the court of last resort. Uh, this is it. Okay. Uh, so the basics of it, first off, how many? <clears throat> well, there are nine justices. That'll make up the Supreme Court. That is not a number that is anywhere. It's just the number we kind of have been. We have been as high as 15. We've been as low as five uh, over the course of our history. Um, process to become a justice. Remember, you have to, to be appointed by the president, okay? And there's no legal requirements. There's nothing in the Constitution that says, hey, you have to be this age, you have to be a citizen or anything like that. There's nothing. So it, they could come grab me or you to be the next uh, justice or even a district court judge or something like that. But the bottom line is, as simple as possible, the president appoints you and then the Senate will uh, approve you, Okay. And there have been some people that haven't made it to the Senate. So it is something uh, that can become an issue uh, just depending upon the, the makeup of the, the, the president and the Congress. The process to hear a case. So the Supreme Court gets to hear which cases they choose. They do not have to listen and hear your case. So even though you make it to the Supreme Court, it is not a guarantee that your case will go before the court. Now, it is guaranteed that the, the Supreme Court will look at your case. They will view it and they will discuss it, but they might not pick it. Okay. So basically what happens, there's, it's kind of a two-step process. Your case has made it to the Supreme Court. It gets to that point where it is in their hands. It is in their, their file, whatever they do. It's probably electronic at this point. Okay. They will sit down on a weekly basis and they will look at all the cases that have made it that far. So basically they kind of get divvied up a little bit on a week by week basis. And so your, your case will fall on this week. They will sit down all nine justices after they've reviewed the cases for that week and they'll have a discussion about each one of them. Okay. If they uh, want to hear it, they kind of make that known. If four, and this is a key number to remember, four justices decide they want to hear your case, then it will go to the docket and it will have a, its trial in front of the Supreme Court. All right. That is called granting it the writ of satoriae. Now that's Latin. I don't speak Latin. Latin is a dead language. I hate it, but they still use it. All right. So I'm probably saying it completely wrong. Hopefully when you see it on the test, it will be there. All right. But that's called granting the writ of satoriae. 
when they say, hey, we're going to listen to your case in front of the, the nine justices. OK, so once it gets on that docket, it then goes over and it is going to go before the Supreme Court. So then they will officially hear it. So they will put it on the docket, give it a date, and they'll let the, the, the people know, the plaintiff and the defendant, um, hey, we're going to hear your case. Your lawyers will prepare. They get 30 minutes in front of the judges. That's it. They have 30 minutes to present their case. Then the judges will ask them questions about it. Then the other side goes, 30 minutes in questions. Then the Supreme Court will retire. They will talk about everything they've heard, all their thoughts and the processes and all that kind of stuff that's going into this decision. And then they will make a decision. All right. They will make a decision based on that. Once again, if it's called up after they have talked about it, it's called the writ of Satori, and they will then uh, proceed to hear the case. All right. So that is how to hear a case. The lifetime terms. Now, remember, we don't want our justices to have to worry about, hey, I got this voting block over here. And if I make this decision, I'm going to lose that vote. I'm going to lose that campaign funding or whatever it might be. So we don't want them to have to worry about being reelected. That's really the main idea behind uh, making them a life tenure. Okay. Um, that way they're free to make decisions free of any political burdens. They don't have to worry about what their party's going to say. You know, they, they all have their political ideology. So they don't have to worry if they go against the Republicans or the Democrats. They can make their decisions uh, and they don't have to worry about anything. So that is the lifetime term benefits. Now they can't be fired either. So, you know, the president can't be like, well, hey, I'm going to get rid of you. They can't do that. Okay. They can't do that. Uh, criminal versus civil. Okay. So criminal is where you have broken some kind of law, whatever it might be. It is a law from the state. It is a law from the federal government. It's a law from the local government. But you have broken something. You've done something wrong. And you will go before a judge. And the state, the local government, the federal government will be trying to prosecute you. There is jail time involved here, and you could be in some serious trouble depending upon the type of law you have broken. On the other side, the civil side, this is where it's not criminal. You've not necessarily broken any law, okay? But there's something that's happened where you have broken some kind of maybe a contract. Maybe you signed a contract with a job, and then all of a sudden a better job comes along, and you want to get out of that contract, you would have to go to court potentially. OK, um, if you have done something uh, in your yard that is not very appealing to your neighbors and let's say the HOA has to get involved and you're like refusing to take down whatever it is you want to. So uh, just a side note, I saw after watching Stranger Things that someone did a Halloween thing in their yard of the scene where Max is in the cemetery and she gets levitated um, up by the bad guy and drawn up Vecna, okay? And um, they did that scene, and it offended some people in their neighborhood, and so they asked them to take it down. They were nice, and they did. However, maybe if they refused, maybe those people that were offended might go 
and have a civil case. Basically, the civil is going to be not criminal. There's no jail time. Uh, and you maybe not, you maybe not have not even broken any laws. Okay. All right. Uh, plea bargaining. So plea bargaining is where the prosecutor is looking to kind of save some time, both money-wise, resource-wise, and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of know they've got you. All right. They know you're guilty. And they come to you, and you know you're guilty. And you're like, look, the maximum prison sentence for what you did is 50 years. If you will save us some time, money, and resources, and you will say you're guilty, we'll say five years, and that's it. Now, if I know that I've done something wrong and I'm facing 50 years potentially, give me five. Okay? So a lot of people will take the plea bargain because it does take time off. If it's a minor thing, uh, you know, you have a, a traffic stop uh, that, or a traffic violation of some sort that you're looking at six months in six months in, in jail and you're like, they're like, hey, plead guilty <laughs> and we'll just say parole for a year versus the, the six months of jail time. Sign me up. Right. So plea bargaining <clears throat> is a pretty good option to try and save time, uh, money and resources by the prosecution. The defense can kind of propose one, but it's up to the prosecution to take it. All right. Uh, examples of felonies. Remember, these are the more serious crimes uh, that are out there. Okay. So this is going to be stuff where you've really done something bad, like a kidnap, a murder, uh, assault, and battery uh, is going to be a felony. Uh, you know, uh, robbing a bank, uh, stuff like that. Okay. I think on the test, you have to pick out uh, the felony, I think it'll stand out because all the other ones are misdemeanors when compared to the other stuff. Uh, let's see, judicial restraint versus activism. So uh, restraint, this is going to be where the justices try and use only the Constitution. They are going to try and keep their personal beliefs out they're going to rely heavily on the Constitution and what has already been established. All right. Uh, a good example of this is a court case, and you worked on this up for an assignment, Texas versus Johnson. Okay. That's that's a flag-burning case. It happened in Texas. There was laws across the board, across the, the country, that said you can't burn a flag. This guy, Johnson, burns a flag in protest is arrested and he fights it saying, Hey, I have freedom of speech. Okay. Very super unpopular decision or, or excuse me. Um, him being arrested was very popular. Everybody was like, yes, arrest the guy, burn the flag is wrong. It's against the law. Supreme court gets it. And even though they probably kind of were like, yeah, we don't like the burning of the flag. They left it up to the constitution and the constitution says people have freedom of speech. And you have symbolic speech within that. And so even though this was a very unpopular decision, they used judicial restraint and they upheld the Constitution as they saw. Okay. Now, activism is going to be different in that activism is where the justices are actively, activism actively, uh, making kind of laws and rules and policies through their decisions. Okay. Uh, so the Brown versus Board of Education, which was one of the ones you could have done for that assignment. Remember, they already had a law in place. 
1890-something, Plessy versus Ferguson had established separate but equal. Now, we know, and retrospectively, that it was separate for sure, but it was never equal. So we know that that was a bad policy. However, at the time, it was just the normal thing. It was the policy. And so they could have easily just said, well, hey, we've already decided this. This has already been done. Plessy versus Ferguson back in the 1890s decided this case. And they could have left it to that. However, those justices, they chose to use activism and say, hey, this isn't right. This is wrong. We need to overturn that Plessy versus Ferguson. We need to create a new policy. And that created a new policy uh, for the country. All right. Uh, so that is judicial restraint versus judicial activism. Um, yeah. If you're unsure of that, if you're not sure what's going on, uh, please be sure you, you ask, ask me so I can try and help you out as best I can. Uh, all right. So next up is judicial review. So judicial review, that is where the, the courts gets to look at laws and policies and things that the other branches have done. And they get to decide if it's constitutional or not. It comes from uh, Marbury versus Madison. And it is going to to be, um, that's that's from 18-something, okay? So it, it's been around for a long time. And it's, it's really the power and it's really the check that the judicial branch has on the other two. That, that's really all they have is that. All right. Uh, so there is judicial review. All right, due process. So due process is all the things that you get and have in the whole process of being a suspect to the time you're arrested, all right, to being incarcerated. You have rules, you have laws, or excuse me, you have rights that you have. And it's really the fourth to the eighth, eighth amendment. Okay. Uh, so from the time you're a suspect, so you've done something or you're around someone or something that's happened, you have rights. So they can't search and seize you without a warrant or probable cause or anything like that. That's part of due process. All right. Uh, they can't question you without a lawyer present. You don't have to answer their questions. That's due process. They have to indict you before they can send you to trial. They have to charge you, basically. Okay? Uh, they can't just, hey, we're going to take you to trial. They have to let you know why you're being, what, what's going on. Like, why am I going to trial? They can't just put you on the stand and say, you're charged. We're going to try you now. All right? They have to give you a lawyer. You have a right to, to ask for a lawyer, whether you can afford one or not. Sixth Amendment. That's due process. The Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. The, the, the punishment has to fit the crime. You know, if you run a stop sign, they're not going to give you 50 years in prison. All right. So all that stuff is part of due process. They can't take away your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those natural rights that we hold so valuable in this country. They can't take those away without the due process, without making sure you have all these rights throughout the judicial process. All right. Um... Remember that word indict, the charges. Okay, uh, next up is original versus appellate. And original jurisdiction, this is just the entry point 
of your case. So wherever your case is heard first, that is going to be uh, original jurisdiction. District courts at the federal level have it. So does the Supreme Court. Uh, every crime that is broken at the federal level will enter. I shouldn't say every. There's 2% that will go to right to the Supreme Court, but they don't happen very often. Uh, so most of every, almost every federal case starts at the district level. That's original. I told you about how I passed a school bus back 16 years ago, uh, and I had to go to traffic court. That was original jurisdiction. That's where my case was first heard. Okay. Appellate is when you appeal. It's, it's in the name, appeals. So you've lost your court case, and you're going to appeal to the, uh, the, next, the next step, which is the court of appeals. All right. Uh, let's see. Something that I missed uh, with the... Uh, criminal versus civil. So going back um, is basically the difference between the plaintiff and the defendant. Okay. So if you are the person that has caused harm, you're the defendant. If you're the one making the case, then you're the plaintiff. So I told you about my dad's estate being sued back in a long time ago now. Um, I was the defendant or I'm Technically, my dad's estate was sued. So that was the defendant. And uh, the person that was doing the suing was the plaintiff. Okay. The opinions. The majority opinion is what's going to kind of create the policy. So the winning side, whether it's nine to zero, five to four, whatever the, the winning side is, they will write up the majority opinion. This is going to speak for all nine, all eight, all seven, all six, all five, whoever votes for that decision. One person will write at the majority opinion. That is the one that holds the most importance. This is the one that policymakers, bureaucratic agents, states are going to use to kind of guide how they're going to proceed with this decision. So once again, Brown versus Board, the majority opinion wrote in there, hey, you're going to integrate schools with all deliberate speed. Now we know from our U.S. history days that the South really didn't do deliberate speed. It took from 54 till about 66 or 67 to get all the schools integrated. So, you know, that's a drawback for the, the Supreme Court is the fact that they can make, they make decisions, they write up this opinion, and then they have to rely on other people to enforce it. And sometimes those people don't agree with their decisions, like the Brown case. Okay, but the majority opinion is the guiding light kind of this is the policy. This is what's going to be good. Concurring, you just agree. So I didn't write the majority opinion, but I agree with the majority opinion for these reasons. Maybe you maybe you voted yes on this decision for a different reason than the majority. I'll get it down in the concurring opinion and then the dissenting opinion. Uh, you have lost the case and I shouldn't say lost, but you're on the losing side. You're of the four. And you're like, well, you know what? This is why we didn't agree with this case. Okay. So this is why we didn't agree with this case. All right. So just going back through a few things, uh, judicial review. Remember, that's Marbury versus Madison that created that policy. Um, there's a couple of questions on the test where you have to read through and you have to decide kind of what the crime was. So I think it'll stand out. Um, I don't want to give away the test answers, but I think... As you read through the scenario, uh, you should be able to sort out what the uh, 
what the, the, what the, what the crime was. Sorry. Uh, I'm trying to read some of the test questions as well as talk and I'm uh, struggling with multitasking. Uh, let's see a couple of other things. So you do have to figure out the difference or the similarity, excuse me, between a, a Supreme Court justice and members of Congress. And I think the answer will stand out because, yeah, we, we, we talked about it in Congress and it's uh, something we talked about with the, the lifetime term. So there's no term limits for a Supreme Court justice. So uh, we've talked about that stuff. Uh, did that that. Sorry, I'm going through the test as we go. Know what the, the written, so the majority concurrent and dissenting, those are all opinions of the court. Remember that. We said that the Senate has to confirm. And I think that is it. All right, guys. Uh, the test is 25 questions. We're taking it on Friday in class. Please be in class. I don't want to make up a written test for everybody to take uh, on the other side of the, the, the Thanksgiving break. However, if I don't see you for some reason, whatever that reason may be, please have a nice restful Thanksgiving uh, break, rest, recharge, spend time with friends and family, uh, sleep in, don't stress over classwork. Unless you have a bad grade, then stress and get stuff done. Uh, but seriously, uh, take care of yourself over the break. Try and get away from school, get away from responsibilities. Uh, and just enjoy the time off for a little bit. Uh, guys, if you have questions or concerns about this test, this test review, the assignments, or anything like that, please, as always, talking points, text me, uh, email me, come see me. You know, I'm in second period every single day, except for Thursday. I have to be out, but I'm there every day. I don't leave. I don't go walk around the school. Uh, I'm in class. So come see me if you need, if you need anything. And I'll see you on Friday in class. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye.